0: I want you to turn your Bibles with me today to First Thessalonians. We're going to be in this passage today. You know we've been walking through God's Word all this year. We started in Genesis back in January, and we've been walking through book by book all the way through. Today we find ourselves in First Thessalonians, which is the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica that he helped plant on his second missionary journey. He traveled through this area. Acts chapter 17 gives us a, a picture of what that looks like. In Acts chapter 16, Paul was in Philippi, and you know the story. He was there, went ministering, he, he healed a lady who was demon-possessed. They got mad, they got angry because the people that owned her could not make money off of her anymore, and so they threw Paul in jail, you know the story, miraculously released from jail. They kicked him out of, uh, out of town. It says that Paul then went on traveling, and he went to Apollonia, and then he finally found himself in the city of Thessalonica. In Acts chapter 17 it says that when he arrived in Thessalonica that he reasoned in the synagogue for three Sabbaths. That means that for three plus weeks he was there preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. The Bible says that when he arrived in town he would go to the synagogue, preach the word, and it says, as was his custom. In other words, it's just what Paul did. Whenever Paul showed up at a place, he preached the gospel. Whenever he showed up in a town, he preached the gospel. But in this case, not only did he preach the gospel, but he planted the church. And as he planted the church, that passage in Acts chapter 17 tells us that that then opposition arose there. They were mad. The Jewish leaders were mad because of the message that Paul was preaching. And so it says they got a, a crowd together, an angry mob actually it says. He got them together and they went to the house of Jason where Paul and, and Silas and they, they were staying and, and they arrived there at the house and they they, they pulled them out in the house and they're mad and they're telling all the people that these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now, I love reading that passage because wouldn't it be cool if like the church in 2021, like this church and other churches in our community and around the world, wouldn't it be cool if people who don't believe what we believe, who don't believe the Word of God is the Word of God, who don't believe the gospel... Wouldn't it be cool if those of us who were in the church so lived our life and were so faithful to preaching the gospel and sharing that message that even those who disagree with us and don't believe the way that we believe, wouldn't it be cool if their if their description of us was, hey, those who turned the world upside down. Wouldn't that be cool? Like that they would be saying, like, they're making an impact. Unfortunately, so many churches today are not making an impact because we are not turning the world upside down. Now that has nothing to do with what we're going to preach about today, what we're going to talk about today, but I just thought that's kind of cool. Like That's what we want this church to be, a church that turns the world upside down. And so it says that then Paul had to leave late at night, in the dark of night, and get out of that town. And so now we find ourselves back in this letter that he wrote uh, to the church at Thessalonica. He wrote this in about 51 AD or so. And he wrote it for a couple of reasons, like to encourage them in their faithfulness. Like, you guys are knocking it out of the park, he wanted to say. Like, you're crushing it. You're doing a great job. He wanted to encourage them to remain faithful, to stay away from bad stuff. And then, in the last part of the book, he write, listen, guys, man, there are great things to come. Chapter 4, last part of chapter 4, first part of chapter 5, man, the rapture's coming. Christ is going to return. Man, it's great days ahead. And so, he wanted them to know, like, man, good things are just around the corner, and so today what I want to do is like what all of Paul's writings do. It's an encouragement to a church that was around like a long time ago, but it's an encouragement to the church that's around today. It's an encouragement to you and me. And so I just want to like spend some time kind of walking through a few passages, a few verses in this, in this letter that he wrote, like to remind us of, of kind of some responsibilities that we have, the duties that we have. Because Paul wanted to make sure that church at Thessalonica kept doing the right stuff that he kept doing what they needed to do. And so I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and read a couple of verses beginning with verse 2. It says, We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in those two verses... Paul gives us like a perfect three-point outline of how we need to live our lives. He gave us kind of a, a real simple checklist, like, like here's what you need to keep doing. And so if Paul, like under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, felt like the church of Thessalonica needed it, I'm kind of guessing that maybe the church in Lynchburg needs it. I'm kind of thinking like you and I need this message. Because in this passage, he kind of gave us these three ideas, these three statements that really kind of encourage us. But the first one he kind of shares here is like like our faith in Christ, our our walking with Christ, it should drive us to action. Look what it says in the first part of verse 3. We recall in the presence of God, and our God and Father, your work produced by faith. Your work produced by faith. In other words, like we have a responsibility because of our faith to work that we have a responsibility because of what Christ has done, but we've been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a duty to do something with it. Our faith should drive our actions. Our faith should drive our service. Our faith should drive our work. Now, in verses 2 and 3 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul kind of gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what he was going to write in about three or four years later when he wrote 1 Corinthians because remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that, that love passage, that love chapter? If you've ever been to a wedding, you probably have heard it. If you've ever, like, kind of started dating someone, you ought to read it, right? I mean, like like a picture of how we're to love. We're to love according to the God's definition of love. But in the last part of that passage, it says this. It says that faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Remember that, right? So faith, hope, and love. So what does he say here in verse 3? So he talks about our faith. He talks about hope. He talks about love. And so here he makes a statement, so your work produced by faith. So in other words, our faith in Christ should result in us doing good stuff. Now that doesn't mean we are saved by our works, not at all. We are saved by faith and faith alone. We were saved by Jesus Christ, believing that He died and that He was buried and that He rose again, believing that He is God's Son. That's Romans chapter 10, very clear. That is where we find our salvation. But that faith should drive us to do something with it. In fact, Warren Wiersbe said it this way, we are not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. I love how Warren Wiersbe puts that. So like if you are a Christian you should work for Christ. If you're a Christian, you should do something with it. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't just like get saved, hang it over here on the the shelf and say like, yeah, I'm going to heaven, that's awesome, that's great, and then go about your life, business as usual, and just do whatever you want to do. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, do something with it. Now, I don't know about you, but when that moment when you came to Christ... Man, I pray that God birthed something in you that you wanted other people to know about it. I remember when I got saved, I was six years old. I was six years old at the old Thomas Road Baptist Church. I was seated on the, the far right-hand side, or I like guess far left-hand side, like right over here, like where you guys are all seated. By the way, that choir, didn't they do great today, Or Liberty Choir that was here? Awesome. You guys are fantastic. They showed up like at 7 o'clock this morning, so they're probably going to fall asleep during my sermon. If they do, somebody throw something at them. I give you permission. I keep them awake. But, but anyway, so like I was seated right over here at that time. I was six years old. Freddie Gage was preaching. The message title, I've told you this before, it was like, all my friends are dead. And that night when I heard that message, two things ran through the mind. Number one, I don't want to be his friend because <laughs> all my friends are dead and the second thing is he talked about hell was real heaven was real and that by believing in Christ we are guaranteed the promise that we will not go to hell but that we will spend eternity in heaven and at the end of that service I remember getting up and coming down to the altar my dad who was standing on the stage he walked down he met me right down on the ground and he met me right there and he led me to Christ man it was awesome and I wanted to tell people I wanted to tell my mom I wanted to tell my brother and my sister I wanted to tell my friends I I was excited went to school the next day and told people hey I got saved it was awesome it was great That was 49 years ago. My goodness, give me a chair. That was 49 years ago. I mean, I still want to tell people that I got saved. I still want to tell people about Christ. Why? Because our faith should drive our actions. Our faith should make us want to work. Our faith should make make us want to do something to point people to Christ. And so that's what Paul is writing here. Guys, hey, so excited about what you're doing. Man, I'm praying for you, thrilled about what I'm hearing. I'm thrilled that what I'm hearing is that your work is produced by faith. But he goes on to say that our actions should be reflective of our love. Our actions should be reflective of our love. Verse 3, second part of that verse. Your labor motivated by love. Now that word labor there is the Greek word kapos, which literally comes, comes out of the idea of toil and trouble. That's what it means, toil and trouble. And I know we're in like October and Halloween's just around the corner. That's not the toil and trouble I'm talking about. It's literally like working hard, like not easy work, like it's no big deal, like it's just something I do, like, you know, just kind of walking through the room. Paul kind of gives this idea here that, that your work, your action... Your labor is motivated by your love because that labor that you're doing, that work that you're doing is like toil. It is trouble. It is hard work. You've got to lean into it. You've got to keep on going, moving hard, working hard, and it's not an easy thing. And so he wants to remind them, guys, I'm so excited. Because I've heard that your labor, that toil, that, that, that suffering that you're going through. Remember what he talked about from Philippi. He faced a lot of suffering. Like I'm excited because I hear that you're doing it because you love. Because you love other people. Because you have a passion to do because you love. You see, what Paul's reminding us here is we have a responsibility to love people the way Christ loves people. Not just like loving people that are in our family, not just loving people that like are going to church with us, not loving people that we happen to hang out with, our friends. I mean, that's easy, right? Jesus talking, like that's not. there's nothing to that, right? Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, listen, love your enemies, so in other words, what he's saying here is that it should be a reflection of your love because when we are doing the hard work of sharing the gospel and living out our faith, we have a responsibility to do that and it should be motivated by, pushed by, drawn by our love for others because what we clearly see in this passage is that what we do from other, for others flows from how we feel. And if we do not feel love, what is true is that if we do not love, we will not do. If you don't love the world, guess what you will not do? You will not share the gospel with them. If you do not love people that are different from you, you will not care whether they spend eternity in heaven or hell if you do not love them. You see, God knew that if we don't love others, and Jesus said if you don't love your neighbor or love your enemy, you're messing up. Like He knew that if you don't love them, you will not care what happens to them when they die. But Paul says, no, your faith should drive your actions and your actions should be motivated by your love you need to love people because God loves people because God sent his son Jesus to come to this earth and die on the cross and then he rose again three days later why because he came to seek and to save that which is lost he's not willing that any should perish why because God so loved the world and those of us who claim the name of Christ have a duty and a responsibility to love the world And what drives me crazy and breaks my heart is so often I see Christians today that are not reflecting love, they're reflecting anger, and they're reflecting division, and they're reflecting hate. And that is not what God's Word tells us to do. You will not win people to Christ by disagreeing with them. You will not win people to Christ by criticizing them. You will not win people to Christ by hating them. You will not win people to Christ by attacking them on Twitter or Facebook or social media. You will not win them to Christ when you are dividing. You will win people to Christ when you show and reflect the love of Christ. Now listen, that does not mean we compromise. Absolutely not. We have a duty and responsibility to stand on the word of God, stand on truth, preach against sin. Absolutely Man, we stand, on the, we stand on the Word of God. We do not compromise. But did you know, it's kind of a newsflash here, it's kind of a shocking thing, you can love someone that disagrees with you. I know. <laughs> Take it easy. I'll give you a minute to catch your breath. You can love someone that votes differently than you are. Okay, let's all go home. You can love someone that does the complete opposite of what God's Word You can love them anyway. Oh, and here's the other thing, and God says you better. God says we're commanded to do it. And so that's what Paul's writing about here. That's a statement that he wants us to understand here. What he wants us to kind of grab a hold of is, hey, listen, they, uh, be motivated by your love. But then he goes on to say in verse 3, another statement here, again, that our love is emboldened, it's strengthened by our hope. Why? Look what it says, last part of that verse, verse 3. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your endurance inspired by hope. How can it be like the toil, the work that we're doing, how can it be like encouraged and how it can be, you can endure and how it can be inspired. Here's why. And he writes about it in chapter 4 and chapter 5. Because we know what's ahead. Because we know what God has promised. John 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 says, we'll be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 5 talks about, hey, God, Jesus is going to come back again like a thief in the night. Like all of that is pointing to what is yet ahead. So instead of like worrying about what you're going to face today, worrying about what you're going through. Man, be encouraged and endure, be inspired. Here's why. Because Jesus has already won the battle. Jesus has already taken care of the end game. You don't have to worry about the end. Jesus has secured it. And so that's what he wants to point out here, that we've got to be willing to go the distance because we know God's got our back. We're not at this thing all by ourselves. So our our love should be strengthened in our hope. Our love, according to verse 3 here, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to keep on going, keep on moving, and be inspired, and we should endure whatever it is that we're facing. Why? Because our witness will change the world. Look what it says in verses 7 and following. As a result, Paul writes... You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception that we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. In other words, He's saying, Guys, I have heard that your witness and your faith in Christ has not only made a difference in Thessalonica, it has made a difference in Macedonia and Achaia. Oh, and by the way, I also know that it also has gone beyond that and it has reached the entire world. Man, that's good news. Thessalonica was not like the major city on the face of the earth at that time. But what he's saying is when you live for Christ, when you love others according to the word of God, when you reflect the love of Christ and the light of Christ in everything that you do, you will not only change your town, you'll change towns all over the world. How cool is that? That we get to be a part of that. And the only thing that is keeping us from impacting and changing the world is us, it's not the world. The world is not stopping us from impacting the world. Culture is not stopping us from changing the world. The media is not stopping us from changing the world. They try, but remember, Jesus has already won the battle, right? So what he says, listen, I've heard... Like your witness, your, your willingness to do what God has called you to do, it has not only changed your city, it has changed your, your region, it has changed the nation, and it's changing the world. And here's what Paul says. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. Like let your witness be something that will change the world. Now I know we sit back and think, yeah, but how are we going to pull that off? Well, here's how we're going to pull that off. Because we need to make sure that we stand strong no matter what. Look what it says in verse 4 of chapter 2. Verse 4 of chapter 2. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please people, but rather God, who examines our hearts. We stand strong. Because we're not here to try to figure out how to be liked. We're not here to get uh, Instagram followers. We're not here to get Twitter followers. We're not here to get Facebook friends. We're not here to be uh, accepted by the world. We're not here to be celebrated or to be elevated and put on pedestals. We are here not to please man. We are here to please God. And when that is what your heart is fixed on, when that is what you are focusing on, when that is what you are running to, then you will not worry about the hard work ahead. You will just keep doing it and you will stand strong because you're here To please and to speak for and to honor an audience of one the fact that God loves that Christ died and that he rose again that's our responsibility now when Paul wrote those words he wrote those words and said listen so so you know like we're going to keep doing this because we're not here to please men we're here to please God now that is an important verse, but it's really important in the context of what was just ahead of it. So you remember what I talked about in Acts chapter 17, right? So in Acts chapter 17, talking talk about Philippi and, and all the challenges we went through, right? So if you go to the first part of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, like, guys, you know, you know the opposition that we faced. You know the hardships that we faced over in Philippi. They treated us awful over there. Man, they threw us in jail. They kicked us out of town. We had to leave in cover of darkness. Like, like, you know how bad it was, right? But here's what he says. I love this. He says, but all of that stuff that we face, that opposition, the attacks, the anger, the division, the people telling us that we had no business to be there, the people telling us that our message was not relevant, the people telling us that we were being like, you know, insensitive, that we were not being, like, inclusive because we're preaching this crazy message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through. Like So in all of that, when they had every opportunity and every ability and, honestly, every reason to run for the hills and hide. In the first part of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, here's what it says. We were emboldened in our faith. Our courage grew because of the opposition. Like, we didn't run and hide. We stood stronger. We didn't figure out how to get out of trouble. We preached louder. We didn't figure out how we could kind of get ourselves out of a fix. Like, we just stood up, and we continued to preach the same message. We were emboldened in our faith. So the message for us is like, guys, do we live in a culture, in a world, where we're going to be attacked for what we believe? Count on it. Come on. Seriously. Seriously. Man, the attacks are everywhere. Do we live in a world where persecution is going to be real? Absolutely. Do you know in the time that we've been gathered in this room this morning, since, since 9.30, 59 minutes ago, that there probably have been about 20 people around the world that have lost their life because they stand on the truth of the gospel? You say, that's awful that happens places around the world. Hey, make no mistake. I'm just telling you, the days of us talking about the persecution overseas is quickly coming to an end because that persecution is showing up here. And yes, it'll start with this whole idea of cancel culture. It will continue with churches being shut down and shuttered. And I believe it will conclude With Christians potentially losing their lives in this country because they simply stand up and preach this crazy message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through Him. And here's what I would tell you, and here's what the Apostle Paul tells us So what? Preach it anyway. Preach it anyway. And we preach it anyway. Because as chapter 4 and chapter 5 remind us, it doesn't matter what you face here because God's got something amazing just down the road. So stand strong, stand firm, preach truth, love, and keep on keeping on because God has your back. And I hope today in this room that there might be somebody who needed to hear that message. I pray that there's somebody in this room that today you walked in here discouraged in your faith. And maybe even asking yourself the question, is it worth it? I pray that today through God's word, through what we just read, not from what I said. Like what I said means nothing, okay? My words are just words, and any of you could get up here and say the same words. It doesn't matter. It's just human words. I'm talking about God's word. I pray that there are people in this room today that have been encouraged and emboldened And that you will walk out of here today and that you will walk out of here like holding your head higher than when you came in, recognizing I'm in for the long haul because God is with me. Let that be your prayer. God, give me the strength to love, to share, to show to go. And let's just see what God does with that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. God, we need it because today we are deluged with so many different messages, conflicting messages, problematic messages, messages that honestly, I believe, come directly from the author of lies, the author of confusion. God, I just pray that In the midst of the noise that constantly surrounds us, God, that we would be focused on not what we hear, but rather what we read and what we see from you. God, I pray that you would help us to stand strong. God, that we would, as the church of Thessalonica did, that we would just stand up in the truth of God's word and preach the gospel no matter what. And God, if there's someone here today that has heard in this message and through our worship time today, where they just heard like this this message about what Jesus has done. God, I pray that if they're here today and they've never accepted and believed that Jesus is your son, and that he died and that he rose again for their sins, and that he's the only one that can save them, God, I pray that in these next couple of moments, they'll make a decision to do what Romans chapter 10 tells us, to believe in our heart, to say it with our lips, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and that he rose again. And then as verse 13 reminds us, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I pray that in this moment, people will be saved because of you. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our altar's gonna be open in a moment. If you're here today and you've never met Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, we'd love to talk with you about it. Our team is gathered here at the front. Man, we'd love to talk with you, pray with you, explain it to you argue about it whatever you want to do like discuss it great we'd love to do that because we want to make sure there's not a person in this room who walks out of here in a few minutes that doesn't truly understand and know that jesus is lord that he died and that he rose again we want to make sure you've got that and so today in a moment we're going to stand we're going to sing when we do this altar's open we'd love to talk with you maybe you're here today and you just want to come and kneel here because you've been discouraged maybe you've kind of been facing some opposition Maybe you just like need to be emboldened today. Maybe you want to come here and just kneel and say, God, strengthen me. Guide me. Use me. Grow me. That's fine. We'd love to have you just come down. And kneel by yourself if you want to. Maybe you want to come down and talk with one of our team members about getting baptized. Maybe you've gotten saved and you've never taken that next step. Maybe you've been afraid of baptism. Maybe you're worried about what people might think. And, and maybe today, as you've seen in a couple of individuals anyway, like, like, like hey, it is the thing that we're supposed to do. Not because the church says it, but because Jesus said that we should do this. Maybe today you need to come and say, I want to be baptized. So whatever it is, as we stand right now, Scott's going to lead us. The altar is open, and I just encourage you to step out right now, in this moment, and move according to what God is telling you to move. Scott, lead us.
1: How great the chasm that lay between us. How high Turned to heaven and spoke your name.
0: So guys, in a minute, you're going to have the opportunity of walking out and count on it like opposition's coming, the attacks you'll see. You're going to experience people that might laugh at you if you live for Christ. They might criticize you because you're doing what God's Word tells you to, to do. Just do it anyway. Like, like just stand stronger. Like, 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 speak louder. Live it out. Man, love people that agree with you and to disagree with you. On social media, man, don't attack people. Make sure that when you have on your, your, your Twitter bio or Facebook bio that you says I'm a Christ follower, then make sure that the next thing they see down below is you attacking and, and telling people how awful they are. Make sure what they see next is a reflection of the Christ that you just talked about. Because I believe that's truly how the church is going to turn the world upside down. Because anybody can fight, not everybody can love. Everybody can be angry, but few people can put a smile on their face in the mountaintops and the valleys. And I'm just telling you as a follower of Christ, more than any other group, more than any other demographic, we have greater opportunity to stand firm in the midst of opposition than any other group. Because no other group has the opportunity of knowing that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is with you every step of the way. So stand strong, preach loud, love big, and let's change the world. The altar remains open. We encourage you to come down if you need to. God bless you, and we'll see you later. I wanna thank you for joining with us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a savior, you can do so right now believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life. Just ask him to save you today. Now, if you'd like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of his son, Jesus, we'd love to chat with you about that information. I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen. It's pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Jesus Christ in your life. If you'd also like to help contribute to our ministries, we take this message of the gospel around the world. Go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with the amazing message of God's love. Help us let people know that God loves them, that Christ died for them, and that we can find hope in Jesus.